0: Hello, chefs, you're listening to Chef's PSA podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natara. On today's episode, we're going to talk salary negotiation and some strategies that you could do to make sure that you're getting the most amount of money that you could get for yourself. So stay tuned. So first, let's get into a small update. Boy, I, I, I wish I could tell you what I've been up to this week, but I've been up to a lot. And unfortunately, a lot of it is secret projects that I cannot update you on. So unfortunately, the things that have kept me occupied this week, I'm not allowed to speak about. Um, but I did update the uh, the way the Chef's PSAs look on Instagram. So I changed up the font a little bit. I added a little graphic on there. I only did that because I get bored of looking at the same shit every day. I'm I'm sure you guys understand, like you do the same thing over. It's like, okay, uh, I don't like how this looks. Let me just update it, rapid prototype, make it look different. Um, So I know some of you have messaged me and say, go back to the old format. We like the old font better. Um, And other people have messaged me and said, I like the new format. It's great. And so I was on the fence because people that I really respect... Uh, have said they don't like it. And people I really respect have told me they do like it. So I'm going to keep it for now. Maybe um, I'll get used to it and I'll start to like it. I'm not 100% sold on it. I'm not saying I won't go back to the old look, but I kind of like the new look. Um, It's like the old Coke versus new Coke, if anyone remembers that. Anyway, I'm keeping it for now. On Twitter the other day, which by the way, I keep telling people, chefs need to get on Twitter. Twitter's where it's at. There's a lot more fun and action on Twitter than there is on TikTok or Instagram. Really, I mean Instagram's fun too. Instagram's like my second favorite, but Twitter is uh, my primary source of online social entertainment. Uh, just because everyone's arguing back and forth, it's like uh, it's like making delicious s'mores over a dumpster fire. That's what Twitter's like. But anyway, on Twitter the other day, I put the 50 most important chefs PSA. So was, like everyone always asks me, like what are the most important? So I kind of went through them all. You know the past year of PSAs and I was like okay which ones are the most important ones that if I had to give you you know 50 without the commentary just like short bullet points like learn how to use salt um, instead of alginates like what or NACL right for for people that um, <laughs> for people that couldn't figure out what NACL is that salt anyway so I put the 50 most Important Chef's PSAs on Twitter. You should go read that thread because it, is, because it is very good. I do get a lot of DMs and questions on, you know, what do I think about this? And what do I think about that? Or how, how should I handle this situation? Um, a lot of the questions are the same ones that I get often. So I, I feel like I, I find myself on repeat sometimes saying the same things over and over again. So this was a good opportunity for me to say, hey, look, these are the 50 most important things. If you're new in the kitchen or if you just work in a kitchen, these are the 50 most important things that I would tell someone, like, do this. It's like what's the movie with Will Ferrell where he goes into prison and he has to get coached on, on, um, you know, how to behave in prison. So like if someone was coaching, you like, Hey, you're about to do this. This is what you need to know. Like, these are the rules that apply in most kitchens. Now the other day, someone said to me, what did they say? Anyway, I'm paraphrasing what they said, but they said they feel like a lot of the chef's PSAs are designed, uh, for the chef and not necessarily for the cook, something like that. But, um, that's false. So the chef's PSAs are designed, and, I, and I, I thought about this the other day, the chef's PSAs are designed to help you out um, because they, they provide a standard for about the 80% rule. The PSA should cover about 80% of all kitchens that you work in, but that doesn't mean that it applies in all kitchens. So if the PSA applies for you and your kitchen, great, use it. If it doesn't apply for your kitchen, great, don't use it. Or maybe use it if it's a good habit that you could get into and initially when I started Chef's PSA, so let's go back, let's rewind about a year and a half because initially I started Chef's PSA on my personal Instagram uh, and it was a way for me to give messages for my cooks and chefs that follow me in my uh, echo chamber of chef friends that I know. And the initial Chef's PSA was like, okay, this all makes sense to us, but it doesn't always make sense to every single kitchen out there. And the reason I say that's important is because something that I thought about recently is As my audience has grown and I interact with a lot of different chefs from all types of restaurants, and this is really uh, amazing and fun for me. I actually, I enjoy interacting with chefs. I'm, I'm learning from the people that I interact with about kitchen culture, almost as much as maybe they're learning from me because I'm. You know, maybe kitchens types of kitchens that I didn't work in. People will message me and ask me questions. What do you think about uh, being a private chef, for example? I was like, well, I I can't comment on it. I've never been a private chef. Uh, I just found out I'm like the number one chef podcast in the Philippines, I think, and also in uh, maybe Qatar. I thought was pretty cool. That's like why the Philippines and why Qatar. And it's like, "Oh, I know why? Because I've had a lot of employees in the past that have come from the Philippines and Qatar, so that must have you know they, they must have started listening to it or whatever. But anyways, as I think about the impact that Chef's PSA is making, I'm a lot more cautious on the things that I say, because I know um, if I say it. Some people take it as literal and I don't want people going up to their chef and saying, well, chef's PSA said this. And it's like, and then their chef's DMing me and say, did you say this to my cook? Did you tell, did you tell them they had to fold their towels? We don't use towels in this kitchen. How dare you? Anyway, it's something that I think about often. It's like, I, I, I realize that mm, with some of these PSAs, I got to be a little bit more careful where <laughs> in the early days I was much more reckless with what I was saying. I was like, yeah, this is the way. And if you don't like it, eh don't work in this kitchen. But anyway, now it's like, oh, uh, yeah, that's not how that works in your kitchen. Got it. That makes sense. Anyway, we digress. Let's talk about how to get paid. And I should say this, I, I do get a lot of DMs about, you know, hey, I'm negotiating salary for this. I wrote a chapter in it. I wrote a chapter about it in my book, Culinary Leadership Fundamentals. There's a chapter on negotiation and salary negotiation and strategies that you could do. But let's just pretend for the sake of this episode that you came to me and were asking me for advice on how to get more money as a cook or how to get more money as a chef right so from two different perspectives now shout out to cleaver and blade the other day uh, if you're not following that account by the way you should post some hilarious things (laughs) um anyway i i think that account is funny but anyway shout out to cleaver and blade the other day he posted something about um how to earn more money in the kitchen, and you know, the equation of if you start out as a cook, you should be making. Um, I, want, I don't remember what he said. Maybe you're you're you should be able to pay your rent with uh with a, a week's paycheck, or with you know, if you're getting paid, maybe it was half your paycheck. I don't remember what he said, but anyway, he got into this big debate and he tagged me in it uh to comment. Now, I do get questions a lot about salary, and and people ask me, you know, should I they want me to speak on you know, the wage disparity between this, that, and the other. And I have been reluctant to touch on the subject. And I'll tell you all why I'm reluctant to touch on this subject is because it's not as easy as people say it is. Like, just pay everyone more money and that solves all the problems. Um, Because if it was that easy, I would come out and say, yeah, just just pay everyone more money. There, issue solved. And the reason I don't speak about it, because I don't like to talk about things that I don't have I don't have an understanding on. It's like a, a Rubik's Cube and I keep playing with it. And it's like, okay, you're asking me how to solve the Rubik's Cube, but I haven't solved it myself. So how am I going to teach you how to solve it? I don't know. I, I don't know. And it's, it's the conversation when it comes to wages in restaurants. Yes, it's an issue. And I'm, I'm not oblivious to the fact that, um, that it's an issue. And I'm not oblivious to the fact that we have a lot of issues from you know inflation to currency depacement. There's a, there's a lot going on and people need to make more money, right? Cost of living's going up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But how do we fix the issue? I don't know. I I really don't know and I think I'm frustrated sometimes with it because I'm not sure if I could speak on it. I don't know if I have a good answer. So anyway, that was a long rant and we haven't even started talking about negotiating your salary. So, let's start from the perspective of some general things. When you go and apply for a job, I think You know, my strategy is I always ask for more money than I really want. Um, And that is because they're going to talk you down. So let's just say um, I'm going in and I want $25 an hour, right? That's what I want. I might go in and say I need $27 an hour. Or let's say um, I want a a certain salary of X. Well, I'm going to go in and ask for, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20% more than what my salary is. Because a lot of places are going to say, oh, that's a little too much. And they're going to try and talk you down. And when they talk you down, hopefully that'll get you closer to what your real number is, right? Another thing that I do is I try to get very specific with the number. So let's just say we're talking salary. And let's just say I want a, a chef salary. And I, and I go up and I say, I want, you know, I'm applying for a sous chef job. I want $55,700 and 63 cents right so if I when you're that specific on the number and you go in and you say I need this this this," with 63 sensors and 72 dollars this is a negotiation tactic that I that I learned from um, reading the book and taking a class from Chris Voss who wrote the book never split the difference and he talks about this that when you are that specific on your salary request it indicates to the person interviewing you that you've done your homework and that that number is almost non-negotiable so I've used this tactic in the past and I've gotten more than that number, but never less. Um, Now, I haven't used it a ton of times because you know, I, I wasn't changing jobs all the time. But the few times that I have used it, I've gotten that exact number or more. And so I could say that it's worked and I could see why it works. And uh, if there's a whole book written about using that tactic, I would imagine that it works. So being very specific on the number that you're asking for is a good thing. The other thing I do is I ask for more. Than what I want. So again, let's say I'm negotiating a chef job. I might say, uh, give me a a monthly dining out stipend so I could go eat at other restaurants. I want a bonus based on these metrics. I want my own parking spot, Uh, maybe two other things, right? So I'll I'll go in and I'll negotiate these five. Now, the real thing I only let's just say the real thing I want is I want a bonus, right? I could care less about the other things. The reason I'll ask for four more items or three more items than what I really want is that. When they come back and say, that's a little bit unreasonable, we can't do all of that. Then you can say, okay, take these two off, right? And now they're going to say, oh, this this gentleman's or lady is very reasonable. And let's give you what you want, right? You seem, you seem like a reasonable person that's willing to negotiate. And now they feel like, ah, I got one over on him. He wanted all this, but I only give him that. But in the end, you're actually the one that won, right? So those are a couple of things that I do when I'm negotiating salary. Something else I want to talk about is the promises that can be made up front. Like, oh, in we'll give you more money. Let's hire you at this rate. And then you prove yourself and then we'll give you more money on this date. I would say be careful with that. I've seen it go sideways a lot of times where that more money never comes in. They, the promises of more money later don't always come through. If they could pay you more money later, they could pay you more money now. The way I look at it, and a lot of places will say, we'll give you a raise in 90 days. I'll say, well, give me this now. And then in 90 days, give me more, right? When you accept a job in a lot of places, you have to understand that the reality is, is you might be stuck with that salary for a year. So do not accept the job. If you're not happy with the salary, it's not fair to you. And it's not fair to the person that hired you, right? If you've made an agreement with the person that's hiring you and you say, Hey, I'll accept $20 an hour for this position. And then you start and two weeks later and you say, actually, I need 22. It's like, well, why, why didn't you say that up front? Right? Maybe I would have given you the 22. But for those of you that have never been in the position, if you're working in a corporation, right, it's not so easy to just go and say, I need a, I need to give them a $2 raise, right? The negotiation needs to happen up front because sometimes when you're working in a, in a more structured corporate environment, there's checks and balances and it could get vetoed one or two levels above the person that you're asking and they, they don't care. They don't work with you. They don't know you and it's much easier for them to say no because they're not impacted by their answer. So it's important that you ask for everything up front and also think about it like You hire someone, you've had the opportunity to negotiate up front, you start working, and then two weeks later, you come and you say you want more money. That's frustrating for the person that hired you as well, right? Be up front with what you want in in the negotiation phase. But like I said, ask for everything you want, and that's the time to get it. If they could, like I said, if they could give you more money later, they could give you more money now. Be cautious of the more money later thing, because I've seen many times it doesn't come through. Now, if you're negotiating a chef position and they're talking bonuses, et cetera, make sure you get that in writing Um, and make sure you check what those bonuses are and make sure that they are achievable. I've seen many places. um, I've been a chef of places where they say, you'll get a bonus if you hit all these metrics. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. But the reality was, it's like, I never got a bonus because those um, KPIs were never achievable. I could never, I could never get them. They were, they were so far out of reach that I was never able to achieve them. So I was never able to get that bonus. So you want to make sure like, okay, what is the bonus based on on these metrics? Great. Can I see the numbers and how often these bonuses are achieved? Because then it's like, okay, they're dangling a big carrot in front of you. Like, oh, we're going to give you, you know, 20 to 30% bonus, but you'll never get it. So it's like, why even talk about it? Because they've they've moved the goalpost so far that you'll never be able to achieve that within, you know, within reason. So keep that in mind, ask up front to see that make sure you get it in writing. Same thing when it comes to like, they're going to give you ownership, they're going to give you partnership, all that make sure you have it in writing. Everything that you that you negotiate, make sure that you get it up front. Like I said, before you accept the job, that is the time to negotiate your chances of getting it during the negotiation phase are significantly higher than they are. Once you're in the building, once you're in the building, it's more difficult, much more difficult. And I would say, uh, I I think when you're in the building, you probably have a 20% shot of getting what you want versus an 80% shot at getting it when you're in the pre-negotiation phase. And I, and I, I'm speaking from experience because I've had to deal with negotiation for many, many years as, as an executive chef, as a, as a regional chef, as a as an owner, etc. So keep that in mind. Now, let's talk about some strategy if you're in the building. So let's just say you're a cook. When you go in and you know, you've proven your time and you're ready to move up and, and you know, you're not getting enough money. I think the right thing to do is to go speak to the person that makes the decision. So let's just say this is you're a cook, let's say you need to go speak to the chef. So you'd say, chef, um, how am I doing? And they're going to tell you how they're doing. And then you're going to say, I have a lot of passion and desire to move up into the next position. What, um, you know, can I move into the next position? I need to make more money, etc. Cost of living adjustments, paint the picture, explain to them why you want to go there. But the worst thing you could do is say, if you, if you, if you don't give me more money, I'm going to quit. Like that is the worst thing you could do is if say, if you don't pay me, I'm out because, if you come at someone combative, they're going to come back at you combative. Like, how many times has this blown up in people's face? to say, uh, if you don't give me more money, I'm going to quit. And they say, fine, quit. Right? Like, that's, that might, they might not always say that, but I guarantee you, that's the first thought going through their head is like, give me more money or I quit. Well, fuck you, quit. Quit then like that's going to be most people's natural reaction. So I think that's a bad strategy to go in and say, if you don't give me more money, I'm going to quit. I think the right strategy is to go in and say, these are some things that I have in my lifestyle that I I need to start making more money. And I'm hoping that we could work together because I really enjoy working here. And I don't want to have to get a second job or think about leaving because I I really feel like this is family, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And they're going to say, okay, well, here are the things that you need to do to get to the next job. They're going to, When they say this, by the way, this is when you take out your handy chef's PSA uh, recipe journal or notebook and and a pen and you start writing down what they tell you. So they say, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do the other, write it all down. Everything that they tell you that you need to do to improve, to get more money, make sure you write it down and then you do it. And the reason I say write it down is because if they see you writing it down, it puts a little bit of urgency on their part. Then they know it's like, okay, oh shit, I got to, they're writing it down. I actually have to keep my word. So now when you go back to them and you say, okay, based on our conversation, you said I needed to do X, Y, and Z. And then they're going to say, yes, did you do it? Yes, I've done X, Y, and Z. Now can we talk about more money? Now you've demonstrated responsibility. And at this point, they have they have an option is they could dangle another carrot and say, we'll do this, that, and the other or they're going to give you the money. Now, if they do dangle the carrot and say, do the next X, Y, Z, then, you know, it's probably time to start looking. You're never going to get the money. Like at a certain point you have to realize, okay, hmm, I'm probably not going to get the money. So those are the things that I would say is number one, if you want more money, uh, make sure you approach it in a respectful way, not a combative way. And when they give you feedback on what you need to do to improve, make sure you do that. Right. Now, as I said, go in and ask for more than you really need, because if you go in and say, I need a $5 raise, they might say the best I could do is two fifty, dollars right? So go in and ask for a $10 raise, and they might come in and say the best I could do is 5 Now, I can tell you most places don't want to lose good cooks, right? Good cooks are so hard to come by right now. And most places don't want to lose good cooks. So they will find a way if you're really good, um, they will find a way to hopefully try and keep you within their means and, and assuming that they have the means to keep you. So do keep that in mind. Now let's talk about Just making yourself valuable, right, to the organization in which you're working. If you have someone that's really valuable, you're able to get more money, right? Because they don't want to lose you. They want to pay you more. I think the attitude of I'll do more when you pay me more is the wrong answer, especially if you're trying to move up into a sous chef role or an exec chef role. If you have two people, and I know I've used this example before, if you have two people and one person says, I'll do more when you pay me. And the other person's the go-getter and says, I'll do it anyway, because I I love what I'm doing. The person who is the go-getter most likely will always get the job. And the reason that is, is because they're demonstrating that they will do it. Okay. The person who says, I'll do it more when you pay me, it's a risk. So if you're the, if you're the chef or if you're the restaurant owner and you're the decision maker, you say, Hmm. Who's more likely to do it? The person that says they'll do it or the person who's demonstrating that they're going to do it? Well, you could almost guarantee that the person who's doing it regardless will do it, but you're 50-50 if the person who says they'll do it when you pay them will do it. So you're going to give it to the person who is willing to do more, right? I saw this the other day. Someone was talking about uh, don't don't make yourself irreplaceable, right? And I, I, I don't know. I would say... Don't make yourself a crutch to the restaurant, but the more value that you bring, the more valuable you are. So they're going to pay you more money. That's that's just the way it works. If anyone could do your job, then they could hire anyone to do it. But if you are unique and you bring a unique skill set and you're harder to replace, then you're in the restaurant's mind, you might be worth paying a couple dollars more because they don't want to lose you because it 's going to be very hard to find someone that cooks perfect steaks or you know makes perfect pizza or whatever the case may be if you 're running a pizza restaurant you don 't want to lose your best pizza guy. You might be okay with saying hey i 'm not going to lose my best pizza guy but I could you know the, the person that chops the the basil I could lose them because everyone knows how to chop basil, but not everyone knows how to stretch pizza like Andre, right? So that's something that you could think about as well. I I do think you should put yourself in a position to be valuable. Because the more valuable you are, it's it's in the words, the more valuable you are, the more money you're going to make, right? At the end of the day, that's, that's what this is all about. It is about the passion, it is about loving the industry and this, that and the other, and all the romance that goes with it. But at the end of the day, you got to pay your bills. And you know, you want to make the most amount of money that you can. And I, you know, going back to my point earlier, I can't tell you how to change the system. Um, It's not something that I can figure out on my own. But what I can tell you is when you're in the system, this is how you make more money, right? Because I do know that I've seen it in action. And that's the world that I know. Um, I'm hoping that You know, we get to a point eventually when the industry is much more sustainable, much more profitable, and everyone makes more money. Um, I'm hoping that, of course, I want that for everybody, but I also live in the real world and say, okay, but that's not the game that we're playing. We're playing on this chessboard, and these are the rules that we're playing. And so how do we win this game? And that's what I'm here to talk about is how do we win this game in particular? So anyway, I, I hope I've been able to give you some strategies and some best practices when it comes to negotiating right? Actually, I want to go back and say one more thing. There's something called arbitrage. And what that is, is, you know, if, if for those of you that might not know the term, it's like you buy something at one price and you sell it for another price, and then you profit the difference, right? So the same thing applies, um, you know, there's, there's currency arbitrage, there's whatever, right? But anyway, the same thing applies in salary arbitrage. So let's just say you're working at one place and they're paying you $10 an hour. You go to the other place, they're paying you $15 an hour. So you say, okay, I'm going to go work here. You make $15 an hour and then they call you and say, hey, we want you to come back. And then you say, okay, but you got to pay me $20 an hour. So now you just got a, a $10 raise um, just by going back and forth between jobs. And that's a real thing. And I've seen it play out. A lot of times when you work for corporations, you get to the standard 3% raise, right? That's that's pretty standard in, in most most companies like oh you've worked hard for a year here's your 3%, right? And with inflation that's a 5% pay cut because you know inflation's 8, 8, 8% or whatever. So <laughs> so anyway, the reason I say you want to look at this arbitrage is a lot of people will leave their company because that's the only way they could make more money and then they will come back, right? So that's also something to think about is you could leave where you work right now and say, okay, I'm going to go work at so-and-so because I know they're going to pay me a couple of dollars more. And then I know my boss is going to call me back and they'll say, well, they're paying me $15 here. I got to go back. And you know, they, they give you whatever, right? So there, there is the arbitrage angle. However, a little bit of caution with that is sometimes you leave a, a little bit of a bad taste in people's mouth when you do that, because it's like, they want you to come back so bad and then you come back, but they kind of resent you. It's like, it's like dating someone. It's like, they break up with you to go with someone else and then, and then they come and then you say, no, 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 that person's a loser. Come back. And then they come back. And it's like, ah, I don't know if I want you back now. You were with that loser. So anyway, um, you got you gotta re- remember that too. Right. So keep that in mind. Like arbitrage is a good way to get money, but it's also a dangerous game because it may come with a little bit of resentment. So anyway that's going to wrap up today's show. Thank you all for listening, whatever you're listening on. So Spotify, uh, Apple podcasts, whatever, make sure you leave five stars and subscribe. As a matter of fact, five stars only that's it. Five stars. I I don't ever want to mention anything less than five stars. And if you ever think about it, uh, you shouldn't, that that's not a thought that should ever cross your mind because you're a smart person and a smart person, knows that this is a five-star podcast. A dumb person would think this is something less. So anyway, Um, if you want to support Chef's PSA, you could go and get any of the books. So I just wrote The Kitchen Art of War. Um, You could go get that. That's honestly, in my opinion, the best thing I've ever written. Um, There's the Culinary Leadership Fundamentals book, How Not to Be the Biggest Idiot in the Kitchen, Line Cook Survival Manual. You could see the merch that we have. We have some Happy Chef merch and some other stuff. Go to chefspsa.com for everything. And thank you all very much. See you next week. Hit the porno music.